Hey everybody, thanks for checking out the Glendale Road Church of Christ podcast. You're welcome to join us anytime you're around. We are at 1101 Glendale Road in Murray, Kentucky. We meet for worship every Sunday morning at 9 a.m., followed by our Bible study at 10 a.m., and we come back every Sunday evening for a bonus worship hour at 6 p.m. Also, every midweek on Wednesday at 7 p.m., we have a Bible study. You'd be welcome to join us. We'll be sure to save a seat for you. Now, here's this week's sermon. The scripture reading this morning is taken from James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. It's page 1853 in the Pew Bible if you are using those. Reading verse 13. Come now who you say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is a sin. You may be seated. Good morning. God is good. All the time. Oh, yep, there was another slide for the second one. Yeah, there you go. The last part of that. I always wondered when I was younger why the old timers would always say, well, if the good Lord willing and the creek don't rise. Is that a, something y'all hear up here too, or is that just a Tennessee thing? Uh, they used to always say that, especially I had an uncle lived out in Trousdale County, Hart, Hartsville, Tennessee, around that area. And uh, boy, it sounded like he spoke with a mouthful of marbles. He was so country. Well, if a good Lord willing and the creek don't rise... You know, and I always wondered why they say things like that. And uh, then when you read the book of James, you understand if the Lord wills. And, you know, that's a great way to live life and a good perspective to have, too, because sometimes we take for granted tomorrow. If I were to ask you, what do you got planned this week? Most of you could say, well, I got this on this day, that on the other day. And, you know, if the Lord wills, these things will happen and this is what we're going to do. But we don't always know if the Lord wills. There's a story about a preacher, Marshall Keeble, who was uh, uh, decades ago very active in, in preaching gospel meetings and revivals. And I, I heard a story where he was preaching a, a, a meeting, uh, I think maybe around Chicago in that area. And of course, those were the days where you might begin on Sunday and you'd go through Friday and uh, usually the preacher was just getting warmed up when he had preached an hour. That's when things really got going. Um, by the way, since we fell back an hour last night, I've been told that I have an extra hour to preach this morning. No, not really. I don't have that much to say. But anyway, so Brother Keeble was up in Chicago preaching his meeting up there. And he had another one that he was going to right after uh, down somewhere in the south. So anyway, they... He had spoken with a, with a brother at the, the congregation down in the south, maybe in Alabama or Georgia, and he said, well, Brother Keeble, we're looking forward to having you with us on thus and such date and everything good. You ready to go? He's like, yeah. He said, if the Lord wills, I'll see you there at this time that day, da, 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 da. Well, the day comes and everybody's there showed up to church and, well, Marshall Keeble hadn't shown up. And so they're kind of wondering, well, maybe he's running late. And they, of course, this is before cell phones when you could just literally track people. So they're calling around trying to find him, and he doesn't show up that first day. 
Well, they're real concerned, so they try to track down where he is to see if he's all right. And they, they finally get in touch with some of the people at the church up in Chicago. And they said, yeah, he left at this time, whatever. So he gets there on, I think it was the second, maybe third day uh, when he was supposed to hold this meeting. And of course he gets there and the, the, the brethren are concerned. Brother Keeble, we were supposed to begin two days ago. Da, da, da. He said, I know. I said, if the Lord's willing, I'll be here. He said, the Lord wasn't willing. We had things going up in Chicago. And so uh, essentially, maybe that's a good way to get out of things. <laughs> Lord's not willing. But <clears throat> we really really don't know. We don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. A lot of people have great hopes and plans for this afternoon, but you don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. And so we ought to live in such a way that we don't take anything for granted. Live in such a way that we always are doing what it is that we should be doing, that we're following the Lord and doing the things pertaining to his kingdom. Some of you have probably thought, maybe you've even said in your heart or in your mind, you, you put when, and then you follow that up, when I graduate, or maybe it's when I get married, or when I get that promotion I've been longing for. How about when my kids get bigger, or when I have more time, or when I retire. Nike had the slogan back in my day in the 90s, just do it. Just do it. There's something that you've been saying when about for a long time. For some of you, it's obeying the gospel and becoming a disciple of Jesus. What's holding you back? I'll, I'll do it. A, why, what, what is it? What's holding you back? Uh, we had uh, years ago at the congregation where I was, we had uh, a guest preacher and he was a big evangelist. I wish I had his evangelistic spirit because he, he saw everybody as a soul and he would talk to people. And a lot of times they would, they would become disciples of Jesus because he would just talk to them. There was this one man that, you know, we went to visit and of course, I'd been the preacher there for about a year and a half. And this one gentleman that we went to visit, he never came to church, but his wife was always there. You could always count on seeing her. And she, she would ask every preacher, every elder on occasion, will you please go and talk to my husband? You know. And so this guest preacher was there and he remembered this guy from the last time he was there. And so he said, Stephen, I want to go see him. Okay, so we get in the car and we go out to his house. And he said, if you don't mind, just sit right tight. Uh, right here in the car and I'm gonna go talk to him and so he goes out and he talks to him he puts his arm around him hugs him and even has a little prayer from what I can see and then he he gets back in the car and we drive off and I said brother Keith what 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 all did you say he said I went up to him I said you know God loves you and he said yeah he said and God sent his son to die for you on the cross so that you could be forgiven of your sins and have eternal life yeah he said, why don't you become a follower of Jesus and be immersed, be baptized and have your sins washed away? And he just hung his head and he's like, I don't know. And Brother Keith asked him, he said, is there some, something keeping you from it? Is there some sin in your life that you can't let go of? I mean, he really got, I'm sitting here thinking, that's kind of personal. 
you know, but he had that rapport. Last I've heard, the guy has never become a disciple of Jesus. And that's sad because this guy was in his 70s when we went and visited with him. And, you know, you hope you, you, you nobody likes to really think about the probability that when a person dies that they're not going to go to heaven but that they might go to hell. We don't like to think about it. We don't like to talk about it. And have you ever noticed every, every funeral you've ever attended, everybody goes to heaven. I don't think any preacher will want to get up and talk about a person going to hell. Maybe they would have decades ago. Uh, but obey the gospel if you've not. Follow Jesus if you've not. And if there's something you want to do for the Lord in serving Him, quit starting the sentence with when and just do it. Psalm 90 verse 12, we, we read here, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Teach us to number our days. You and I don't know when this is over. We don't know when the Lord's going to return. We don't know when we're going to draw our last breath. But are we prepared for that? Are we prepared for that moment that we go and meet the Lord? Because if we live by this code of when, we're going to be just like the folks that James is speaking about. When is presumptuous. When is presumptuous. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me, then I shall be blameless. And I shall be innocent of great transgression. Look at verses 13 and 14 in James. Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. When you think about it in those terms, it really boils down what life is and how quick it is. Man, it goes so fast. The older you get, the faster it goes. I remember when I was a little kid, I was five, six, you know, I, I would get real excited around Christmas time. And I would ask, when's Santa's coming, right? And so my mother would say, well, in a couple weeks. But I had no concept of what a couple weeks was. A couple weeks to me at five years old when you're waiting on Santa to come was an eternity. It took forever. Then, how many of you have said within the last couple, man, we're already in November. The older you get, the quicker it, go, it goes. And then you see the people around you. You know, your children, when you have your children, then they become grown and then they have children. And you're going, my word, what has happened? You know, Stephanie and I were talking about this. Right now, we are the parents. Do you remember when you were kids and your parents were the parents and your grandparents were still here? Don't you miss those times around the holidays, around Thanksgiving, around Christmas? I always miss it because we used to go on Christmas morning to Uncle Bo and Aunt Lisa's. All the men would cook the Christmas breakfast. And before she was so unwell that we couldn't, we would go up on the hill behind to Graham and Granddaddy's. And I always wondered, I never understood this, but Graham had a stocking for all of the grandchildren. And in the stocking were like these big, uh, uh, maybe, maybe they were walnuts and an orange and an apple. And I remember one year I was going, I said, Daddy, why does Graham give us the orange, the apple, the, the, the walnut? And he said, because when she was a kid, it was a treat to have that. 
because you didn't get it year round. And so you would get, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I see some, some heads nodding, uh, but I always thought, well, why? That is so odd. But when you understand why you go, here I am 40 years old and I go, I miss that stocking with the orange and the walnut, uh, the walnuts and, and the apple. But my grandparents, Stephanie's grandparents are gone. We are now the parents. Our parents are the grandparents and our children are the children. It's gone so fast, so fast. I walked that firstborn of mine down here to give her away and everybody's like, did you cry? Did you cry? Y'all are a sadistic bunch. Why are you worried about if I cried? Did you cry? I said, no, why? Why hadn't you cried? I was busy, busy going, how did we get here so fast? I remember when she was born. And they're like handing me these scissors. I'm like, what am I doing with this? Well, you cut the cord. I'm like, I'm like, here, you can have this back. I don't want anything to do with it. And I remember holding her. And I remember when she could fit on my shoulders and I'd hold her little hands. And now she's married. It's flown. But the one thing I'm very proud of is that my children are disciples of Jesus. If I accomplish nothing else on this earth, that's my greatest accomplishment, is my, my wife and I teaching our children to know who the Lord is and urging them to follow him. This word presumptuous in Hebrew means with a high hand, and it really denotes arrogance. When, when we live our lives constantly saying when, we're living presumptuously as if we will get to that point to when we can actually do what we need to do. And it's arrogance. We believe that we're going to live to see that moment or that period when we will actually do what we have put off. Meanwhile, Nike says, just do it. Just do it. The false prophet in Deuteronomy 18.20 was one who presumed to speak in God's name, but did so without divine consent. And if you want to read what God urged to do to false prophets, look at Deuteronomy 18. Then you have this story in the book of Numbers when the children of Israel, they were told to go into the promised land, but they refused because they were afraid. And so God said to them that, well, you're never, you'll never enter it now. And so then they go, okay, okay, we'll go, we'll go. And then they presumptuously try to go in as a gesture of repentance to take it, and their presumption was contrary to God's will. And they, they are regarded in Numbers 14 as rebels. Presumptuous. When, if we live by that all the time, we are being presumptuous. We don't know. So we should live in such a way in a constant state of preparedness. Secondly, when... If you live according to that, it will be that you take for granted. Verse 15 in James, he says, Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. There's a story of a rich man in Luke 12. If you'd like to turn there, if you're in James, just take a left. And when you read the story of this man at first, you're like, well, it doesn't really sound bad. What did he do? 
And Scripture gives us a little bit of insight into that. Luke 12, beginning with verse 16. This is regarded as the parable of the rich fool. Luke 12, 16. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, well, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns and build greater, and there I'll store all my crops and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, so you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be? which you have provided. And so it is, uh, rather so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This guy thought, if I just save it all up, I can just coast the rest of my life. And he didn't know that the rest of his life wasn't very long at all. He took for granted. He wasn't rich towards God. And when we get to where we take things for granted, we get to a state of complacency just like those in Revelation 3, verse 17. Because you say, I'm rich, and I have many goods and have need of nothing, you don't know that you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor and blind and naked. They thought they had it all. We're good. We've got everything we could need. And maybe we do. Maybe we have all the material things that anyone could ever want. But God, would He, would he ask are you wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? It's not about what you got physically. What do you have spiritually? This is the thing that Jesus pointed out to the church in Revelation 3.17. And he said, as a response, I will spew them out of my mouth. Literally, vomit them out. So you got to be careful when you get complacent. You take things for granted, you become complacent. And when you become complacent, you become a little slothful. There's a servant in Matthew 25 who took things for granted. His Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and slothful servant, you know that I reap where I don't sow and gather where I've not planted. Cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So living by this constant state of when, when, this happens when I get to this point, when I'm ready, when I... There was a guy years ago that I was early in ministry. might have been the first two years I was ever a preacher. And this guy he was a physical therapist, and so I, I had some physical therapy. And, um, you know, we were talking about God, talking about Jesus. And so he finished, and I said, I'd really love to talk with you more about, about God and about, you know, being saved. Have you ever thought about being saved? And he said, yeah, I've thought about it. He said, but I'm just not ready. I said, well, what's holding you back? What are you not ready? He said, well, I got things in my life that I really need. I need to get this straight, that straight. And once I get this stuff straightened out, I'll call you. You know, I've never heard from him. Never heard from him since. And if I'd have been thinking then, I would have said, you don't get things right and come to the Lord. You come to the Lord as you are and you let him make you right. That's how it works. But some people do that. They go, well, let me just set this aside. I'll get this, this, that in order. And you know, some of these people are so very good at planning for life. Some of you right now, you have planned wisely. You have invested. 
you have saved. You have bought appropriate insurances to safeguard should anything happen. But we're, again, we're talking about material things. What about spiritual things? Jesus has done the work. And notice this, that going forward, James says that when can be evil. Verses 16 and 17, but now you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. Pause for a second. Now, some folks may say, I'm not arrogant. Just because you're not walking around beating your chest doesn't mean that you're not arrogant. We think of arrogance, we think of someone who is outwardly smug. But if you live in such a way when you, you're being arrogant. You may be the meekest person on the face of the earth, but you are acting arrogantly. Verse 17, here it is. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. So if I know something needs to be done and I refuse to do it, then I'm just wallowing in my sin. The Jews knew better in Romans chapter 2, verses 17 through 23. These are ones who were responsible for teaching. They were responsible for living according to the law of Moses. In Romans chapter 2, beginning verse 17, Indeed, you are called a Jew and rest on the law and make your boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are excellent, being instructed out of the law and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instrument to the foolish, a teacher of babes having the form of knowledge and truth in the law. You, therefore, who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man shouldn't steal, do you steal? You who say, do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? Yes, you make your boast in the law. Do you dishonor God through breaking the law? Actions speak louder than words. And I could probably say I fit in with that group. I know better and often I don't do what I know I ought to do. It's uh, one of the shortcomings many of us have. And then you have those who build their house on the sand. Now, you know this because it's a song, right? The wise man built his house upon the rock. I'm not going to ask you to sing it, and I'm not going to sing it for you, but I know you know it, and that's probably how most of us know it. But then the foolish man, he built his house on the sand. And so I, I want to ask, when it comes to your faith, when it comes to your soul, are you built on the rock or are you built on the sand? The sands of life are when I turn inward and look only to myself. Selfishness, we might call it. Or maybe I've made myself my own idol. I am the be-all, know-all, and end-all. But when you build your house upon the rock, that is Jesus Christ, when the storms come, you'll remain, you'll stand. So when you look at this as the whole, when we consider what James is saying, I think the urge he has given to us all is quit putting off what you need to do. Quit making excuses. Quit saying when. And if you're going to insist on living by when, let me give you one to put in that mix. When you die, 
Are you prepared to meet Jesus? Whatever you accomplish in life, whatever you achieve, meaningless in the grand scheme of things. It may be good, good achievements, good accomplishments, and that's great. But if you do all these great things in your life and you, you never become a disciple of Jesus, what did you really do? Will there be monuments erected in your honor? Probably not, nor mine. There are only a few great historical figures who we remember because of great contributions that they made. And no matter how important those contributions were, and no matter how timely they were, that's well and fine. But does it matter if they never followed the Lord? Maybe they did good for the sake of humanity. Maybe the world's a little, little bit better because of them. But still. Oh, I thought you cut me off. I was like, I'll wrap it up, okay. The most important decision that you and I can make is to become a disciple of Jesus. And we do that by being baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, by being taught all the things that Jesus taught, and by observing those things. Don't, be, don't put off till tomorrow what should be done today. I give you the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians 6 2. You, if you've not obeyed the gospel, if you've not become a disciple of Jesus, you're going to keep on. Well, when, when, I will, I will. Now is the time, says Paul. Today is the day of salvation. Quit putting it off. Nike, just do it. Let's stand and sing together.